0: Come on here and talk about another Oklahoma-Texas basketball game, but apparently Mother Nature and the Big 12 are not going to let that happen. Oklahoma and Texas round two pushed back from Tuesday night to Wednesday night, from Wednesday night until Thursday night, and then from Thursday night to um, sometime to be determined later. What's going on, everybody? This is the Sooner Nation podcast. I'm Matt Hofeld along with Rich DeCray. Rich, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. It's not true or false time, but I'm just going to put you on the spot. OU Texas round two, is it going to happen? Yes or no?
1: I clearly have no answer for you as evidenced by the, the sigh and the silence. The one thing that I'm concerned about Matt here is Oklahoma still hasn't played Baylor right there. That game, as far as I know, hasn't been placed on the schedule, a date, nor a time. Have, neither of those have been assigned to it. And so when we're looking at rescheduling games, I think everyone's looking at the Baylor contest first and then the Texas game. If the no. Baylor one never gets scheduled, there's no hope for the Texas yeah. one to be scheduled either.
0: Well, here's what's crazy about that is they they absolutely rescheduled the Bedlam game. So you're going to have back to back Bedlam games, which I think is going to be kind of fun because right. it's never happened before. But they were sure to get that on the schedule. Well, and, and that one makes a little more
1: sense because you've got to consider the distance. When we're looking at teams that are playing, if Oklahoma is traveling to Austin or Texas is traveling to Norman, that's a considerable amount of distance to be traveled. Waco's not much shorter than traveling to Austin. Now, it would make sense if Oklahoma were going to play two road games, two days apart where they they went to Waco and then they continued on down south until they hit um, they hit Austin, but Texas with this weather that we've had the COVID issues and, and a lot of the pandemic remnants that have, that have altered schedules are still hanging around. I don't know when Texas is going to be full power once again, but I can tell you, Matt, I don't think people would be extremely happy if they were sitting in their homes without power and a basketball game was being played. doesn't matter if that's the professional level or if that's the collegiate level, it's just the nature of the beast. And so when I look at why Oklahoma and Oklahoma state can be scheduled. I know I hijacked your conversation here, but when I look at why that can be scheduled, it's because it's a much shorter distance for those teams to travel. And we presumably in Oklahoma will not be having those same power issues that they've been talking about on social media.
0: Yeah. But that game was supposed to be in Norman, not in Austin. And I, I right mean, there, and there was there was a little bit of scuttlebutt on social media the other night when it's uh, rolling blackouts through the city, and then you got part of the part of the O G E customers without power, and then there's the thunder playing Portland at the Chesapeake Energy Arena. But I, I mean, I think it has more to do with safety and just travel concerns than it does the power, because I mean you got to get these games in, and I I honestly, if you made me put my money on the table right now, I don't think the Baylor or the Texas game will get rescheduled. Just because I don't think there's there's time and it got pushed back to Thursday, which would have been why we're recording this right now, which only gives you a one day turnaround before you got to go to Ames, Iowa and play Iowa State. And that's what is next for Oklahoma. And when you look at the possibility and I'm just going to say likelihood that Baylor and Texas will not get rescheduled for Oklahoma to me. That makes Iowa State even more of a must-win situation for the Sooners than even had been before go before the the cancellations or postponements. I guess is what they're officially listed as.
1: Yeah, and I can agree with you in one sense. When you look at this Oklahoma team and you look at the conference rankings, Oklahoma's eight and four, which is above teams like Texas who is seven and four, as well as a, a couple of others mm-hmm. that are sitting there. It's an opportunity. One that let, let's back up real quick. Okay. Because had, had the red river rivalry taken place, it would have separated Oklahoma and Texas in the current standings had Oklahoma played Baylor. I don't think that's, that's a game that Oklahoma wins. I'm not going to say it's impossible, But I just the the way things have unfolded, I just don't think that's a game that Oklahoma wins. And all of a sudden, we're looking at this team who's further back in the Big 12 standings than where they're currently sitting, which is number three and in sole possession of that number three ranking. I do think, Matt, they get a little bit of help here. But if they lose to Iowa State, it's pretty detrimental to – this basketball team and where they're hoping to be sitting when the big 12 tournament rolls around. So in that sense, I'm saying it's an absolute must win game, but when we're looking further down the road and we're looking at the NCAA tournament, because let's be honest, as we get closer and closer to March and we get closer and closer to tournament time, everybody's eyes are going to be on those bubble teams. Guess what? Oklahoma is not. They are not a bubble team. I think win or lose while this would be a terrible loss A two win team a two win Iowa State team defeating you I think it would be a terrible loss on the record but I don't think it's something so detrimental that Oklahoma would be removed from the the field of what is it 68 now I just use the term 64 for ease of use here right
0: no, I agree. I don't, I don't think this is a, a game that could potentially put Oklahoma in or out of the NCAA tournament. They're clearly in, but here's where it could hurt them when you're talking about seeding. A lot of people are saying Oklahoma is a number three seed with an outside shot at a number two seed. You lose to a winless Iowa State team in Big 12 Conference, you're not going to get the two or the three. And I, I think that's where that's where this game becomes must win for Oklahoma because you got to take into consideration – you're most likely not going to play Baylor for a second go around. Arguably, arguably the best team in the country. And you're not going to get a second shot at Texas, most likely, which again, another top 15 program. So you got Iowa State. You got to go up and you got to take care of business. And I think they do. I just I don't know how much weather I don't I don't know. You know, they, they 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 were off for a week and they played West Virginia, and now they're off for another week and they play Iowa State. I don't know if those weather – cancellations postponements I don't know how they help or hurt this team but I do know they've got to win in Ames
1: well and the the cold hard truth for me is that when we look at these games being canceled there's nothing that Oklahoma can do about that there's nothing that Lon Kruger there's nothing that Austin Reeves or Debbie Harmon can do about those cancellations but they can do is they have some control over the games that they actually play. And let's credit Matt, because one thing that you and I know, and I hope the rest of Sooner nation is well aware of is just how well scheduled this team is. Whoever's doing that scheduling on a consistent basis, Oklahoma needs to try to hang on to them as much as possible, because just a few years ago, we're talking about an Oklahoma team who has a losing record in conference and still makes the tournament. Why? It's because of those non-conference games Mm -hmm. that they've scheduled. Oklahoma, I get in the Big 12 SEC challenge, drew a top 10 team and collected a win from that top 10 team, which was Alabama. That speaks well for the Big 12. It speaks well for Oklahoma. And I think You can't look at what didn't happen when it comes to the seedings. You do have to look at at what Oklahoma has done, what the body of work is at that point in time, as well as where they're where they're headed. Because some teams will hit this point and they've already peaked and we'll see them into the tournament. We'll see them get into conference tournaments and begin to fall flat. I don't think that's Oklahoma. I don't think that's going to happen to them but there still are just several games left on this schedule and the body of work will speak for itself at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay. So we've got a lot coming up on this episode of the Sooner Nation podcast, spring sports uh, getting ready for their second week in a row for softball first weekend for Oklahoma baseball. Plus we got some football talk and true or false coming up next with my turn to ask Rich the questions. Okay, Rich. Back to true or false. Here's how this works. If you're just now jumping in on the center nation podcast, I throw out five statements. Rich tells me whether they're true or false and why they would be true or false. Now we've been talking about basketball leading up to this first break. And so we're going to stick with that. Um, just for the first two questions of true or false, because I know you're a basketball guy, rich, and you can, um, you, you, contribute a lot on that front. So here we go here. Are you ready? Here's the first question. Wait, I didn't hear you say you were ready. Are you ready?
1: Oh, I I thought that was a rhetorical question.
0: No, I want to know. Didn't need a response. I want to make sure you're good to go, man. I'm ready. All right, here we go. First question, true or false. If Oklahoma can't make up these games against Baylor in Texas, that would actually serve as a benefit to the Sooners.
1: I do believe that's true. And it's for the reason that I just spoke of previously. As we begin to look at the Big 12 tournament, Oklahoma is sitting pretty with that number three seed in hand granted there are some games that could ultimately push Oklahoma down that list but had they played Oklahoma and Texas excuse me Baylor and Texas whether that was in Norman or whether that was there's a good chance that both of those I say good chance there's a possibility that both of those our losses. I do think Oklahoma would have beat Texas, but as I've mentioned previously, I don't think they would have beat Baylor and that's going to push them down that list. Even with just one loss, all of a sudden they're sitting at a log jam for that number three seed, a tie between Oklahoma, Texas and West Virginia, pending that Texas game. Of course, Matt, and it could get even worse from there because let's say Oklahoma does drop both of them. Guess where they're sitting at now. They're, they're in a six, that six seed, and they've got a tie with Texas Tech, a team who has the tiebreaker over them. In right. fact, Texas Tech, the only team in conference so far that swept Oklahoma. Needless to say, if you're sitting at that number seven seed in conference, it's not doesn't look as good on your resume as that number three seed in what I still consider the toughest league in the country.
0: Okay, sticking with basketball for the final thing, a story that you wrote this last week at heartland-sports.com, if anybody wants to go look it up. Kirk West announces that uh, he's done with college football after uh, college basketball after this season, and he's going to test the waters of being a professional. I don't take that to mean the NBA. Now, that's everyone's dream. I don't see him as an NBA guy, but that's not my true or false question. True or false? This was a out of left field, off the wall, surprising announcement by Kirk West.
1: That is absolutely true. Here's a guy who is really developing to an athletic big man who we know has the ability to protect the rim. Now, minutes-wise, his minutes aren't up there. The experience that he has at this, this level of basketball isn't comparable even to some of the younger guys on the roster. And I think we see him contribute in a number of ways that may never show up on the stat sheet, unfortunately, in change shots just because he's rotating towards uh, um, a would-be slasher or someone who's about to attack the rim. We see time and time again just how he can affect an offense of an opponent as people begin to get – as players begin to get closer to the rim. But needless to say, I think he had one big moment or actually a couple of big moments there in the game against West Virginia, and all of a sudden it was this this Trey Norwood factor. Now, Trey Norwood was over the course of the season mm-hmm. where Kirk Weth was – the over the course of one game again I I do credit him with a handful of big moments in fact I credit him with why Oklahoma ultimately ends up winning that game against West Virginia but the truth of the matter is that I did not see this announcement coming I thought it was something that he would play out his career at the University of Oklahoma that he would earn his degree and then he would pursue a career in basketball overseas
0: Yeah. And for, to me, to me, it's just the timing of the announcement. The regular season is not even over with yet. You haven't gone to the big 12 tournament, certainly haven't gone to the NCAA tournament and just for this information. And I don't think he just kind of had a press conference and said, Hey, I'm going to go pro after this. I think it's more information leaked out from personal family conversations than anything else. But Rich, I don't see him as an NBA guy. Do you? I, I don't. Again, I do think he's a very athletic
1: But when you talk about size and and the way that the NBA has transitioned, it's not a big man's game anymore. So you have to present something that's very notable and something that that NBA executives decision makers haven't seen before. I mean, we can look at a Nikola Nikola Jokic playing for Denver. He's one of those guys who brings a skill set to the table that you haven't seen in a player his size who's going to play a majority of his basketball with his back to the goal. Kirk West is going to be one of those players who needs to play with his back to the goal. But again, he doesn't have a, an extremely rare or unique skill set.
0: Yeah, I mean, you talk about Jokic, the guy who could hit a three-point shot just as easily as he can dunk on you. Now, I know, I know Kirk West has, has managed some three-point shot attempts for Oklahoma, but he's not going to be a regular inside-outside guy like an Anthony Davis or Jokic is going to be. Uh, that that was makes Now, he's got all the athleticism to be a transitional type of guy in the basket, but he just doesn't have that mid to long range jump shot. Right. And when you're looking at a
1: guy who's 6'10", that's, again, something that's in his favor. But you're right. There's a lot of development that needs to happen with him. He still is a raw talent. I was just hoping that that would be a prolonged career Mm -hmm. at the University of Oklahoma. And apparently that's not the way things are shaping up.
0: But we wish him the best. I mean, again, shocking shocking announcement or uh, shocking release of information. But we wish him the best. Okay, let's move on to everybody's favorite topic now for the last three parts of, of True or False. Going to talk football. We're going to start with the 2022 recruiting class where Oklahoma currently sits number five nationally with the 2022 class. Now that class only at this point only has one defensive commitment, everybody else, offensive side of the ball. True or false? By the time this class wraps up, it will be heavy on the defensive side. Absolutely. I do believe that one's
1: true. Are you sensing my theme yet, Matt? Because all (laughs) these have been true so far. One of the things that this team has prioritized has been adding talent and depth to the defensive side of the ball. When we look at what Alex Grinch has done and the way that he's shaping these classes, it's for these lengthy, rangy defenders, especially on the back end. But he's pulling in guys who have the ability to play defensive end or drop back. As a linebacker at the same time, there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of room for growth for a player who's looking to make that jump from the high school level and play at a national brand or for a national brand like the Oklahoma Sooners. So absolutely, I think this is one of those transitional moments for Oklahoma. And specifically for Alex Grinch, because Alex Grinch is going to make a lot of money in the next two or three years. Just my opinion. I know we talked about that on the last podcast, Matt, through that true or false segment as well. But when we begin to look at this this current class that's coming in 2021, defensive heavy in 2022, I think will be a, a very similar mold simply for the reason of Oklahoma is trying to bolster this defense. And they're trying to get as many players on campus as they can and figure out who's the best and let them fight it out for their starting roles.
0: Yeah, uh, okay. I I can accept that, and I can agree with that. Uh, Let's move on. Sticking with the 2022 class here, Oklahoma has a five-star running back commitment in Rayleigh Brown. True or false, this class will feature two five-star running backs. It's hard to say true,
1: and it's hard to say false. Give me the name you're thinking of. Uh,
0: well, I was we were going to talk about him a little bit later on, but I'm um, Gavin Salchuk out of uh, out of Colorado is the the next one i'm I'm thinking of.
1: I gotcha. I, I knew you had a name that was attached to that that you didn't just come up with that out of the blue. And here's the thing for me, Matt, is I think it's very possible, but right now, there's a stigma that's stuck in the back of my mind, which is why I am going to say false. It's possible, like I said, but at, at this moment in time, I'm going to say false. And it really comes down to one simple factor. This is my short end of the argument is that Oklahoma has failed to close with running backs in the past two seasons. I've talked consistently about consistency when it comes to various different sports, various different players, specifically basketball here as of recent, Mm -hmm. but if Oklahoma can consistently close in and, and sign these five-star recruits, I would have a little more confidence. But I know everybody's going to be gunning for the top 32 in any recruiting class, heavier than they're going to be gunning for any of the other players that are targets for them, especially if it's a need. Oklahoma has a need at running back. I do think they pull in more than just Relique Brown in this upcoming recruiting class. I just don't know that it's two five-stars, so I do have to go with false.
0: I can appreciate that. I disagree with that, but I can appreciate it. I do. I do agree a hundred percent that the Sooners will land more than two or more than one running back. I think they may actually even get three running backs in this 2022 class. But I'm going to go a step further, Rich, and just say I believe that this class will feature five three star recruits two running backs and one on the defensive side of the ball and we're going to talk a little bit more about some of these recruits here in just a minute to close out the podcast yeah go ahead you want to say something did you
1: say five three-star
0: recruits did i say that maybe if i
1: did yeah i'm I'm pretty sure that's what you said restate that because you lost me
0: (laughs) sorry man three five-star guys sorry three five-star recruits two running backs and one on the defensive side of the ball And like i said we'll um We'll close out the podcast going over some of the recruits uh, that are that are rumored and heavily leaning towards Oklahoma at this point. All right, let's get uh, the, the final question in here for true or false. <laughs> I said five three stars. Uh, that's more like a Oklahoma State class. Um, anyway, um, all right, here we go. Number five, sticking with football and going more specifically to the twenty twenty one season. Hey, five three star recruits is a good class for Oklahoma State. Stop judging me, OK. Um, here we go. The 2021 season will feature the renewal of the Oklahoma and Nebraska rivalry. True or false? This will be the most anticipated game on Oklahoma's schedule in
1: 2021. And uh, man, um, had had you not said most anticipated of 2021, um, and you just went with the non-conference portion of the schedule, that's an easy true. For me, But I am looking at a Nebraska team that hasn't been relevant on the national scale. In -hmm. fact, hasn't been relevant in the Big Big Ten for quite some time as we head into the upcoming season. I get the rivalry. I get the name. I knew the implications. In fact, when I was at school at the University of Oklahoma, Nebraska was the team that you expected to face in the Big 12 championship, even if you played them on the regular schedule, which just so happened to be the same year. um, Jason White was the quarterback. Adrian Peterson was the running back. I was there in Norman at that Nebraska game as a student and remember very vividly certain events that happened because of the stigma, because of the rivalry, because of the, the two names that were going to be on the field together. Is it the most anticipated of 2021? My roundabout way of getting there, Matt, is going to be a false.
0: Really? So, yeah, but see, you're you're so young. That's that's the thing. I I think it's it, there's um for a a good portion of the fan base. I'm gonna say the majority of the fan base are older people, and they have they they remember the the you talk about the stigma of those two teams. They're gonna remember the nostalgia of. Mm-hmm. of the uh, of the rivalry and here's the thing Here, here's why i think it's true number one it's the, the the nostalgia that i'm talking about you got the game of the century in their history i mean there's so much there between oklahoma and nebraska that you you said nebraska's not been a player on the national scene when's the last time texas was a player on the national scene when's the last time oklahoma state was a player on the national mm-hmm. scene I, to me if if there is a going to be a game that rivals the anticipation of oklahoma and nebraska it's going to be iowa state because that's going to be the number 2 team yes. in the big 12 it's not going to yes. be nebraska i mean it's not going to be texas it's not going to be oklahoma state but when you look at what oklahoma has left as rivals in the big 12 it's really texas and oklahoma state and the the truth of the matter is that when nebraska was in the big 12 oklahoma state was a distant third when it came to that rivalry with oklahoma it was always texas and nebraska and you get that back in 2021 I'm going to go ahead and say because Texas is breaking in a new coach and a new quarterback and there's not going to be a lot of expectations outside of the 40 acres and for a large sense of the conversation, Mike Gundy and Oklahoma State are doing the same thing. They're breaking in new running backs and new receivers and trying to see if they can finally get a quarterback to stay healthy for an entire season. I, I say this Nebraska game takes the forefront. There will be a lot of hoop and a lot of law about this game. And I think it takes it sets the precedent as the most anticipated game on the schedule. But this is your turn where you, the listener, can tell yes. us. Are we crazy? <laughs> are you are you team Richard? Are you hey, well, let me let me ask you this because I said Iowa State. Is that who you would say would be the most anticipated game, or is it something else?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Iowa State. And that's going to be a revenge game for a lot of Oklahoma Sooners fans. See, because I don't of,
0: think so, because I think the Big 12 championship was the revenge game.
1: You do have a point there. Matt, here's where, where I'm going with Nebraska is what they are most well known for in the past five years. The one time I can remember Nebraska making the headlines is when they disagreed with the Big 10 and they wanted to play football, mm-hmm. even though the Big 10 was saying, no, 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 we're not scheduling any games and there will be no, if we don't meet these requirements, There will be no season. Of course, we know that they canceled the season a little bit later and then jumped back in on the whole whole train, knowing that they were going to be missing out because Iowa State, potentially one of the best teams in the conference, ended up making the college football playoff despite playing a very limited number of games. Needless to say, Nebraska has been in the headlines for not the right reasons. It's all been off the field for me. And so anyone who I think is, you're right, is in that younger fan, that younger generation of fans, they don't have that same adoration of a Nebraska team of that early two thousands Nebraska teams.
0: Okay. So hit us up. Let us know Twitter at sports, Heartland, Nebraska, somebody else, most anticipated game of 2021, Oklahoma softball and baseball, both with uh scheduling, snafu not snafu but just restructuring over the weekend and then we're going to talk some football to wrap this thing up okay oklahoma softball number two in the country this week with the uh, after just a mega impressive uh, debut in el paso texas last week they're going to play two games in houston initially slated for a four-game weekend Uh, That gets changed around a little bit. They're just going to play two in Houston against the Cougars. Baseball has rescheduled now for the third time, uh, third opponent, third location, originally supposed to be in Norman. Then it got moved out to West Texas somewhere and finally has been moved into a three-game series against Texas A&M Corpus Christi that will feature a Sunday doubleheader uh, between these two teams. Rich, I want to go back to – I think baseball is going to be decent. They ended really well in the COVID shortened season, but to me right now, spring sports, OU softball is the, is the story after a record-breaking opening weekend. And really, I think there's a lot of people tuning in with anticipation to see how they can do on the road against a Houston team. And this will actually be more of a true road competition against, uh, should be a better opponent.
1: Sorry. I'm about to sneeze here.
0: Well, no, uh, I
1: I do. I'll... I do totally agree with you and and what you're saying. When we look at this OU softball team, there was a very surprising start. When you set an NCAA record for home runs hit in a singular game, obviously eyes are all of a sudden going to be upon you. I think Patty Gasso is going to have the toughest job following that momentum because... This is not a team who has played real ranked competition at this point. This is not a team who has entered conference play. And and this is not a team who, at least in my opinion at this point in time, has not really – and I think this is evidenced by that number two ranking – has not said we're the best team in the country yet – They have that potential to be, don't get me wrong, especially when you look at the pitching staff and the offensive explosion. The fact that Patty Gasso said this could be the best outfield that she's ever had in her 27 years at the university. But where I really want to start, Matt, is let's talk about these freshmen Mm -hmm. who are stepping in at big moments and delivering time and time again. I know Jennings was named the national player of the week. Not only was she the Big 12 player of the week, but she collected that honor from all the players who stepped onto the diamond and and competed during that yeah. same time frame. So, Patty Yasso, phenomenal job at coaching. But again, I do think her her the most difficult thing that she's going to have to do right now is curb some of those expectations from this team and bring them just a little bit closer to earth.
0: <laughs> no, for sure, because that that's where um, that's where really a. Um, I, I, like the Saturday doubleheader against Houston, that's where it can really come back to bite you when, when you've had such an explosive weekend. And then UTSA gets canceled. Sam Houston state gets canceled. And now you're, you're playing two at Houston against the Cougars and a doubleheader. And you can lose your literally lose your mind as far as your, your focusing goes. And, and then the next weekend is when you're talking about level of competition, they go out to Tempe, Arizona, and they will play New, New Mexico twice out there, but Sandwiched in between those two New Mexico games will be Arizona State. And that's, to me, Rich, that's where you really get the first look at, at strong competition. And, you know, we make fun of the Pac-12 a lot when it comes to football. Uh, we talk about also the Big 12 being the best, t- uh, best conference for basketball. But when you're talking softball, it's hard to beat the type and the brand of ball that's played out in the Pac-12. And Arizona State's typically pretty salty.
1: Absolutely. It's funny how we've had these momentum shifts when it comes to softball. I remember, I don't remember personally, but I do remember people speaking of the the dominance of the Pac 12. You had teams from all over the Pac 12 really coming in at the national level and just competing against themselves for the national championship. That slowly swung across the nation more towards the East Coast, and we saw teams like Florida begin to creep up in those rankings. We saw teams like Alabama claiming national championships. We're seeing it here. Oklahoma, Baylor was one of those teams. Now Oklahoma State is kind of championing that same call to compete on the national scale. Needless to say, the momentum is swinging heavily back towards the pac 12. I don't know if people like the weather out there a little bit more than they do in some of the other parts of the country, but some of the top talent is now playing in the big, Twelve, or excuse me, the pac 12 once again. And they're showing some of that, that blue blood mentality that we're used to seeing. If you've been a fan for quite some time that we're used to seeing out of some of those perennial powerhouses, like a UCLA.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, and that's we, we saw Oklahoma and UCLA in the world series, um, the last time the Sooners were there. Um, I, I do, I do want to I don't want to because I'm, I'm bringing back bad memories on that, but I do want to mention the fact that Arizona State's a top 15 team and you've mentioned ranked opponents a couple of times now and that I'm, I'm trying to just go off memory here about Oklahoma's schedule, but I do believe when they go out to play Arizona State in Tempe, that will be their first competition against a top 15 type program. And again, that's that's not this coming weekend, but the next weekend, and that's certainly something that you want to take note of. Speaking of taking note, Oklahoma has another player hit the transfer portal, plus Lincoln Riley with the eyeball emojis. What's that all about? Okay, Rich, let's wrap this uh, podcast up with a couple of notes here on Oklahoma football. First of all, the eyeball emoji on Wednesday night, Lincoln Riley with the snowflakes and the eyeball emojis all in one tweet has Sooner Nation going kind of crazy. A lot of people are saying that this is Big Cat Bryant. I don't think it is. I I don't think Big Cat is going to get the eyeball emojis when it's his turn. Um, Typically, Lincoln Riley does something different for transfers, and I also think Big Cat's already been accounted for. I think he's already involved and people that have committed to Oklahoma in 2021, but clearly somebody committed to the University of Oklahoma on Wednesday night. You got any ideas, any speculations you want to throw out there? Man,
1: I honestly do not. Um, Recruiting has kind of gotten away from me after the signing class came through, and I know we tend to focus on other things, other sports, specifically spring sports, A little bit of winter sports, but spring sports really begin to dominate the conversation between you and I, Matt. So recruiting takes a little bit of a backseat, as we know that this is a time when numerous offers go out for various classes as well. I get that the focus will be on 2022, but in all honesty, I, I, I have zero guesses. I don't even have an inkling of an idea as to who the eyeballs could belong to.
0: Okay, so I'm gonna throw one guess out here. I think it's a 2022 kid. That's why he's getting the eyeball emojis, and I think it's Gentry Williams, uh, who is the top player in the state of Oklahoma for the 2022 class. He plays quarterback. That'd be a
1: huge get.
0: Yeah, I think he plays. He plays quarterback right now for Booker T. Washington, but he's, he's going to play defensive back at the University of Oklahoma. Um, and I think that's if I had to put money on it, that's who I would put money on there. And Oklahoma received like 11 crystal ball predictions from 24 seven sports. I guess I'm going to resay, resay that Oklahoma has received crystal ball predictions for 11 players over the last 48 hours. And some of the, the reason I said that differently is because some of those players received multiple, uh, multiple predictions. Gentry Williams, by the way, was one of them had already had crystal ball predictions coming towards Oklahoma. He has a total of five now and um, that's why I think it was him. But uh, there's a couple of guys I want to bring up here specifically to talk about. And you can go to Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com, if you're, li- if you're reading our, or listening to our podcast. And you can read more about these guys. Um, but I want to start back at the running back position because you, this goes back to our true or false, Rich. You didn't think that Oklahoma – you were prepared to say that Oklahoma would land two five-stars – I think they will. And I, and I think it'll be Rayleigh Brown. Who's already a member of this class. And then you look at the salt check kid out of, out of Littleton, Colorado. He's, I mean, he's got like 26 scholarship offers and the only crystal ball predictions that he has right now are towards the university of Oklahoma. And there's multiple of those predictions. And so I, I think, I think this is a year where DeMarco Murray and Oklahoma make up for the last two seasons, in terms of deficiency at the running back position in the recruiting class. Now, Oklahoma hit, shored that up in 2021 off of getting the Eric Gray kid out of Tennessee kind of met that need. But I, I think beginning in 22, they're going to go after two years in a row. I think 22 and 23, they're going after multiple running backs and those recruiting classes. And I think these two kids uh, Brown, who's already in there. Um, and, and then Saltchuk, I, I think those two kids are, I don't want to use the word locks, but they're as close to locks as you can get um, with Brown already being committed.
1: On the, the recruiting landscape, Matt, and the predictions, I know that there were several names that you had thrown out in one of the posts that you recently published pertaining to those predictions, the crystal ball predictions from two, four, seven sports. Chase Biddle is one of those names. Jake Taylor is the other one. If, if I'm looking at those three, which includes Gentry Williams and I have to bet money on which one that set of eyes belongs to, I, I think you've got a pretty good game going for yourself why because jake taylor just released his top three i don't think he wants to move that quickly from releasing the top three to three days later making a commitment. that's something that you kind of ride that Mm -hmm. wave and it says that you're not ready to make a commitment at this point in time but these are the ones that, that you're the most interested in and they've shown that mutual interest so you've got notre dame you've got alabama you've got oklahoma all in the mix for jake taylor those are some pretty heavy hitters especially considering the landscape of last year in Notre Dame, I get was playing in the ECC. So that may very well change as they jump back into the independent realm, but it's no joke. When you get an offer from Nick Saban and Alabama, you want to talk about making that leap into the NFL. That's one of the best places to do it from right now. I I can't say anything negative about Alabama, but I also can speak very highly of Oklahoma and the offensive line that he's put together, given the returning talents and what he's really had to work with. When we look at Bill Beatonboe, he's done it, whether he has five returning starters or whether he has one, it never seems to phase him. He always fields an adequate offensive line. And, and then of course we can look at, at Chase Biddle, who I just have zero ease, as I've mentioned before on, on if he's going to commit or win He will commit. But I know that all those predictions are putting him at right about a six on a scale of one to 10 to committing to Oklahoma Gentry Williams is the only one above a seven at an eight. So may the odds ever be in your favor, Matt, (laughs) because I think of all the names that have been thrown out here. He is the most likely one who's committed to Oklahoma and he will certainly be a, a defender.
0: Yeah, look, Chase Biddle, I think, is is closer to a, a Oklahoma commitment than Jake Taylor. Jake Taylor, I think, from what I'm hearing, is coming down really between Oklahoma and Notre Dame more than anything else on him. And he's a kid that I think will elevate. He's the number seven overall prospect from the state of Nevada right now and the number 25th offensive tackle in the 2022 class. But there's something that Bill Beatonbow likes in this kid, and there's certainly something that Notre Dame likes in this kid, as well as like 20 other schools uh, who who like him. Um, so I think he's gonna you're gonna see his status and his ranking elevate over his senior year. But Chase Biddle is a kid that that I, I think. I mean, he's close. Again, nothing, no one's a lock. We're so early um, in this recruiting cycle that I don't think any of the, even the guys that are committed, I don't think you can say that they're a lock. But, you know, I, I, I think when you, when you look back on this thing and you, you, you see the kids that, that you have to have, I don't know that Biddle um, falls in that category as a kid that you, that you absolutely have to have. He's one you'd like to have. Because his athleticism allows him to do so much, right, that, that uh, you could literally put him anywhere on the field. But when you, wh- who do you have to have? You have to have guys out of your home state. And I think Gentry Williams is, is, is that kid that you look at. He's the top player in your state. And it always starts in state. Oklahoma lost the top player to Texas A&M for 2021. They can't lose the top player two years in a row,
1: right? I mean, let's put that in quotations because as soon as yeah, Oklahoma earned say the Downs, from the number one,
0: right? Yeah, right, right. yes. Uh,
1: go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I know that that shifts all the time, and, and that's okay. I'm bitter about those rankings <laughs> one bit, but what I will say, what I will say about Gentry Williams is this, Matt. Yeah, sure. He's he's the number one player in the state, but he's also one of the top players in the country. You can believe or easily say that Oklahoma is putting all their their eggs in a single basket when it comes to him and state recruits. But I do believe that Oklahoma is most likely looking for their Caleb Williams on the defensive side of the ball. They're looking for that one player that's going to excite, but they're also looking for a guy personality-wise who can assume a lot of roles for this defense and in the the realm of being a, a, a student that recruits other players a student athlete who is actively pursuing other players you have to remember Oklahoma is losing Brendan Radley Hiles who was much out of that for this current team for this current coaching staff who's going to step in and, and fill those shoes I don't know that it's anyone currently on the roster it very well could be but I also think you need to secure that for the future my question for you then is and, and I don't know a ton about Gentry Williams, but is Gentry Williams a guy that can bring that that similar level of excitement that Caleb Williams did to the offensive side of the ball?
0: Well, he's he's a popular kid in the state, and he has a lot of connections uh, in Texas as well. So he's – I don't know that he's – Caleb Williams was was a rare breed, okay? So when you're trying to say, where's the next Caleb Williams, you just got to understand the the talent and the charisma, the combination of all that made for a – a generational type guy. Now, Ginger Williams, again, he's a guy who draws people to him. He is a magnet, and there are there are people across the state that he's got connections. You know, he's in Tulsa. He's got connections in the metro area uh, of Oklahoma City. He'll he'll help Oklahoma in recruiting, certainly with in-state guys. I don't know if he's going to cross state lines the way that Caleb Williams did to go after other people. Um, so, I do think Ginger Williams. I'm going to go ahead and stick to my guns. I think he's a player that Oklahoma has to get that. You you just can't miss out on him. I get what you're saying. Ethan Downs was number one in the state. And then he commits to Oklahoma. And suddenly he's number two in the state. I understand that. But again, you got to get Gentry Williams. It doesn't, it doesn't change that, that thought one bit. Now I do want to, I do want to come back around. I, I don't want to neglect your question to the point where I, I totally ignored it. it I, I do think Gentry Williams is a guy that, that can draw people in from the state, but he, there's a kid down in Florida who's a five-star defensive lineman. He's the number two overall uh, prospect from the state of Florida, and he's the fifth overall-rated prospect nationally, the number two defensive tackle in the 2022 class. His name is Gabriel Brownlow Dandy. Okay, Gabriel Brownlow Dandy. You know how I am with names, but I think I got that right. Six-three, two seventy-five. Like I said, five-star guy. He's got three crystal ball predictions to his name right now. All three of them are for the University of Oklahoma. If you're looking for a guy who could be a game changer on this defensive class, that's exactly where I would start. If Oklahoma can get a commitment from him, I think you see a lot a lot more um, people follow a commitment from a guy like that than you would from Gingerer Williams. Not that they don't each have their own special attributes to who they are as people, but, Five-star talent follows five-star talent. And and when you look at Ginger Williams being a consensus five-star, that's who I was saying would... I said Oklahoma would get three. They would get two running backs and one on the defensive side of the ball. If, if Oklahoma is able to land this kid out of Florida, that's four five-star guys in this 2022 class. That absolutely sets this class apart as being special and something that Lincoln Riley has never done. Um, and I think, Rich... I don't think it's insane at this point to think it's possible.
1: I don't either. Oklahoma has been trending upwards in the recruiting realm, especially with some of the changes that have happened in the in the past couple of years on the defensive side of the ball. We've known that that running backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers, offensive linemen, Oklahoma has been able to draw them in in masses. But it's been this secondary where you haven't really gotten that star power. In fact. Correct me if I'm wrong here. I'm not even going to remember the name, but the last All-American on the defensive side of the ball in the secondary, you've got to go back to the early 2000s, but it wasn't Proctor.
0: Man, you're going to – It was about
1: 2005, 2006. I'm not going to recall his name. You may not either, but I I know that it's been a while since in the secondary Oklahoma's – Oklahoma's had – an all-American, and I can guarantee you, Alex Grinch is waiting very patiently so far for that next one to emerge.
0: Yeah, I'm all yeah.
1: focused on the secondary here, Matt. You're in. You're in the trenches on me.
0: Well, no, I'm just saying. Five That's why star I'm talent. more excited
1: about a Gentry Williams.
0: No, I, I get you. I get what you're saying. I'm just talking about the pool of five-star talent following five-star talent. I, I think. I think Gentry Williams, like I said, I'm I'm telling you, I think that's what the eyeball uh, emoticons were from Lincoln Riley on Wednesday night. I think Oklahoma's got him. And I think that would be, again, if if the running backs come through, that's going to be three, five-star guys. What I don't know is, will there be a fourth? And I think, I guess what I'm saying is it's absolutely possible. By the way, I'm thinking, um, I got the name, so if you can wait, think wait, of wait. It. No, no, I think I'm, I'm, um, he, um, I, I, his last name was Carter, Quentin Carter. Was Quentin Carter an All American? Yeah, free safety, All American in okay. 2010. Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna guess 2009, so I was gonna be off by one year. Well, so I thought that, it was
1: the early, early 2000s, so Samsonite, I was way so
0: off. So, me, my, my brain, sorry, my brain was triggering on on that. Okay, so let's talk about Trevin West hitting the transfer portal um, Oklahoma loses a a receiver who was a member of the 20, uh, 2019 or 2020 class played it. He registered four catches in, in 2021. You don't want to, um, you never want to belittle a guy for wanting to leave, but, I mean, come on. When you when you look at the talent that Oklahoma's bringing in at the receiver position, I think the fact that you've got a guy who made it, who made appearances. I know he played in, in. He made a catch um, against Florida in the Cotton Bowl. I know he got in some game time uh, against the Texas Longhorns. I'd actually have to go look at his bio to see where else he played in 2020. But I mean. I wish him the best, but I, I don't think this is a guy that you really get upset that you're losing. Does that sound too harsh?
1: I don't think it's too harsh. At, at the end of the day, it is a very talented position. There's no shortage of height, of speed, of viable options at the collegiate level at the receiver position. And when you're looking at playing time, not everyone's content to to play mop up duty. Some players want to be that star and they've got to be willing to work regardless of where they go. But sometimes that pool is just so deep. You feel like you're treading water in the deep end, just trying to survive. I don't know if it's a mutual thing though, either Matt, because I know that there is oftentimes positions where, where you have to let some players go and you just come to this agreement of, Hey, this is how it's going to be, and we're going to part ways.
0: No, I don't, and, and it's I don't, all good. Yeah, I don't get the impression it was anything along those lines. Um, I, I get the impression, really, th- this guy's looking at what's on the roster right now and his inability to really crack in there for some significant playing time. And then he looks at guys like Cody Jackson and Mario, Mario Williams, Williams, you know, coming in on this, you know, Jalil Farouk. You, you got these guys coming in. And you're thinking, okay, at what point I mean, how how far down and for how long am I going to be in the depth chart? And then opportunity arises. But you look at you look at Charleston Rambo, for example, and you hate to lose Charleston Rambo because he's an upperclassman. He he's got some clout, so to speak, he's got some experience, he can help that receiver room with a lot of younger guys by just being a mentor and and showing work ethic, right? So you hate to lose that guy. But then when you go and you look at West and you're losing really a youngster, I mean, again, I don't, I'm not, I'm not dogging the kid. I'm just saying when you, when you look at what's coming in, this it's Oklahoma still at a net positive. When you look at this receiving core, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, I'm just going to give you the, the title really quickly of something that Parker Toon had had written at 247 Sports. It says, Trevon West's departure is your first clue that the Sooners' freshman wideouts are the real deal. It's it's everything that you're saying here. And that's echoed in that article on 247 Sports. Go check it out if you so please. But the reality of this situation is uh, I, there's no other way to paint it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, so I, what... I agree. No, go ahead. I was
1: going to say I agree with you about a guy like a Charleston Rambo. Yeah, But because of how young a guy like West is, I remember how excited certain people, I think it was you more than more than me, about West and the speed that he possessed.
0: Now, no, we always right. talk
1: about speed, and we always talk about the ability to get behind a secondary, but I, I feel like that's becoming more and more common in the players that Oklahoma is going after.
0: No, 100%. And, and you look at Mario Williams, that dude's a blazer, and he's a young guy, just like West was, uh, Farouk. I, again, I'm just – I'm beating a dead horse, so I'll, I'll move on. But I'm going to stay with receivers because I'm going to go ahead and answer my own question before I close it out to you, Rich. Which position group do you think needs the most workout this spring or which, which position group needs spring workouts the most? To me, it is the receivers. I think you look at this, um, this defense and you're seeing strength across the board – you see one step, another step, and a third step of improvement that we're going to see this fall. I, I think when you look at the offensive line, there are new faces that are coming in here through the transfer portal. There's existing guys that, that are going to try to keep, maintain their starting positions. You, obviously, you gotta, you got to fill that void with where Creed Humphrey left to the NFL. But, man, the receiving core, again, we're talking about so much talent but so little experience now. I think that's the group for me that I say they need the spring workouts the most because this could end up being the most talented position group on all of Oklahoma's roster, but they're just not there yet with experience. They've got a gunslinger of a quarterback who showed immense potential and maturity. You, get, you literally watch Spencer Rattler grow up during this season. But man, they've got to be more than a one man show with Marvin Mims, in 2021 and 2022 if they're going to contend for the national championships that they're expected to. And I think the spring goes a long way in, in helping this receiving group mature and, and really grow up.
1: Now, I think I'm going to disagree nice. with you wholeheartedly. And here's the reasoning, Matt, is I, I'm looking at the running backs. You mm-hmm. look at a guy, a Kennedy Brooks, who took an entire year off. We don't know what kind of condition he's going to be in. We don't know how fresh he's going to be. If that muscle memory is there, we don't know weight wise where he's going to come in. There's a lot of unknowns when it comes to a guy like Kennedy Brooks, but you've also got a new guy in an Eric Gray that we expect to challenge for playing time. I think this is a, a roster that's full of talent again at the running back position, but unfortunately, I don't know that we could say It's proven, even though you really want to throw Kennedy Brooks out there as the clear starter and and Eric Gray as the potential backup to that. I I get all that. But again, we're looking at a, a young but talented group of running backs who are all going to be vying for time behind the expected starter, Kennedy Brooks. Who's going to pick up that slack? And without a Ramondre Stevenson, you need a guy. Who can be a bruiser you need a guy who can display a little bit of patience and you need a guy who at the end of the day can get you a score when you're stuck at the goal line
0: yeah okay look I, with all due respect i think i would be fully on board with that if we were talking spring football practice of 2020 i think i honestly would be fully <laughs> on board with you but, I'm but, looking but at this- spring 2020 we expected
1: all the players to be available now
0: yeah, but I'm, what I'm saying is right now I'm looking at Kennedy Brooks, 2,000-yard rusher, seasoned veteran. Eric Gray, seasoned veteran. I mean, Seth McGowan, he's not a seasoned veteran, but he's a veteran. Marcus Major, he's going to be on campus for three years now, veteran. And then you go over to the receiving core, and what do you see? Well, you, your star is Marvin Mims, and then you got an emerging star in Theo Weiss, And then you got Hazelwood who missed most of the season with an injury. And then, I mean, and then you got this bevy of young guys starting. I mean, how many of those young guys are already on campus and will be there. I mean, um, let me look. I I got you. I got you. I I sure hope they can block. Mario Williams on campus, he needs spring ball. Cody Jackson on campus, he needs spring ball. And then Jaleel Farouk won't come until the summer. But I'm just saying, I I feel like you've got stars. You've got seasoned veteran at the running back position. You've got rising stars, but not seasoned veterans at the receiver position. So therefore, I'm sticking to my guns at receiver.
1: So be it. So (laughs) be it. We're going to agree to disagree on that one.
0: That's what makes it great. And once again, you can let us know where you stand, which position group needs the most. Let us know why Matt is wrong. Yeah, uh, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, absolutely fine. <laughs> which position group needs spring ball more? Let us know. You may not think it's running back or receiver. We'd love to know what your, in, what your uh, input would be on that. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. That's going to wrap it up for us at the Sooner Nation podcast. We'll be back later on next week to hopefully talk about some Sooner hoops moving closer towards March Madness, as well as hopefully good reports on both uh, football, uh, baseball, and softball. Maybe we'll have some good football reports as well if some of those uh, some of those commitments come in. Until then, you can find us every day on the internet, Heartland-Sports.com. You can find us every day on the Twitters at Sports Heartland. Have a great weekend. Hopefully, it warms up there in Oklahoma. Boomer Sooner, everybody.